you may ask. How did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I'm Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com and of course I will answer as many as I can. So this is just like perfect timing, perfect Torah portion, things happening at home. This is the Torah portion where we get to talk about marriage. Isaac needs a wife. Abraham's servant Eliezer will go find the wife. That wife will be Rebecca. Why is that such good timing? Because this week, if you'd like to come to my house this uh, Sabbath morning after prayers, so I am making a Kiddush because I am making an Ufruf. I don't even know what the word means. But an Ufruf is the, it's officially the final week that the chassin, that the groom, is home. So he gets called up to the Torah, and everybody throws bags of candy at him, and all the kids grab all that candy, and everybody is happy, and then you make a little party, everybody comes, his mouth is very beautiful, give blessings. What's it all about? What's happening this week? So I, I don't even know where the custom comes from. It's quite ancient. One of the things they say is that when a person gets married, so it's a, it's a new stage in life. So because he's in a new stage and taking on new responsibilities and, and he's going to get married, have a wife, uh, you know, Mietz Hashem will have a family, he, he is in a new status. So in Torah law, new status means you're like a new person. So if you're a new person, it says God forgives all your sins and you get, you get a clean slate. So somebody getting married, we find this um, in a couple of Torah portions from now. When Jacob's brother Esau, when he gets married, so the name of the wife is Machlas, which means to be forgiven. So we say that, and the commentaries say it, that getting married forgives all your sins. Somebody once explained very good. It doesn't really mean all your sins are gone and forgotten. That's ridiculous. You don't get a, a free pass to do whatever you want. And then say, okay, I'm getting married, so God, I'm good to go. It's sort of like you have this whole humongous suitcase or backpack full of all your sins. And when the person gets married, so God says, hand me that backpack. Let me hold it for you. Now you get married. Now what happens after you get married? Are you asking God for the backpack back? Right? Are you still the same person you were? Still doing all the garbage? Then God handed you back your, your knapsacks. Everything was forgiven because God was holding it, but you asked for it back. If you asked for it back, you're, you're, you, you didn't start over. You just had a reprieve. But if you take on that I'm a new person, I'm going to be good, I'm going to be better, then God says, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to this knapsack. I'm just going to toss it somewhere in the corner. Don't worry about it. So one of the things it says is if a person um, um, deserved a death penalty, so one of the death penalties happens to be stoning. 
Now, the real way stoning works is that the person is thrown off a platform about uh, about the height of two people or three people, and if that doesn't kill him, they put a big stone on him, and then they'll stone him if necessary. It's uh, it's for the it's for the worst crimes. Um, get that punishment. It's called skila, called stoning. And so throwing these bags of candy, not too hard, we're not trying to hurt anybody, but throwing these bags of candy is, is sort of like symbolic that if you deserve to be stoned, this is in place of being stoned. So, and, and again, it's usually what would happen was the groom would always live in a city. Then he gets married, so he's going to travel to the city of his kyle, of his bride, and get married. He will come back to the city, won't come back. So it was sort of like the farewell that the city would make. Um, my son is not going to his bride, his Kala's city. The wedding actually will be on the East Coast. But it's the same idea. He's actually coming. It's, it's, I guess it's funny. He doesn't live here. He lives on the East Coast. But he's coming back here as a, it's not a last you know, goodbye, because he's going to come back for holidays and stuff. But that's how the custom seems to have been established. So he's going to come home. Hopefully, it will not rain. We would really like to make the the kiddish in the backyard. Don't have to have a million people uh, walking through the home. Keep things clean, easier on the wife. We're hoping. Um, it says 50% chance of rain, but I'm pretty sure that's because it's supposed to rain after midnight Friday night. But I don't think Saturday morning, Shabbos morning, it's supposed to be raining. So we're going to play by ear. If it's not raining, tables are going outside. If it is raining, we'll move the tables inside. And I guess we'll figure it out. But if you're in the neighborhood, feel free to drop by. It would be my pleasure to have a piece of cake, have a little herring, have a little soda. I'm sure there'll be some stops there. Not very much because we're not really drinkers. But uh, my kids are coming in. Um, as far as I know, they're all either on the road, I have one of them flying, so that will really be a very beautiful weekend, and we're looking forward, and it should be beautiful. But now we have a chance to talk about marriage. So before we even start, I think it's a, it's a good point to bring out that, that a person needs to know when he gets married that marriage has a purpose. We want this couple to get together. We want them to, to create a in our case, to create a Jewish home. We want them to build a Jewish home spiritually, physically. We want them to have children. We want them to raise their children um, in a Jewish form. Of course, we want them to be orthodox, to be religious. So there's a purpose. There is a goal, right? This is the, we tell them this is how they will be able to properly serve God. Somebody not married is sort of half-baked. He doesn't have that opportunity to grow as a person. He doesn't have that opportunity, that ability. He or she, by the way, it's a, it's a team effort. They, they need each other to make themselves better, to serve God better. There's a, there's a purpose in this marriage. So if there's a purpose in the marriage, so very good. We understand there's a purpose. If there's a purpose, very good, then there's always bumps in the road. Let's not fool ourselves, Right. Um, getting married is not eternal bliss because the ones who think that marriage is eternal bliss are in for a rude awakening. Right? We try to tell them all these things, not up front, right? But they'll figure it out. But that's not what life is about. 
Life is about building, growing, working together. We're two different people, right? We obviously were brought up in different families. There's, we have different ways of doing stuff, right? We got all these things we're going to work through as we build our harmony together. So you got to build. You got to work together. That's all part of the process. But if somebody just imagines that the purpose of marriage is so I can be in love and bliss and all happiness, so then the first time something goes wrong, so I'm out of here. Like, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I signed up for. But if I understand that the purpose of marriage is to build a relationship, if you understand that your purpose is to build a relationship, then you understand. So in building relationships, things don't always go the way you would like them to go. So, so things happen, so you fix it, and you move along. This is all very normal part of the process. Somebody told me recently, a rabbi told me, he said, you know, for most people, when they get married, their whole life they've been drawing a picture of what their spouse is going to look like, how their spouse is going to act, What's, and as their imagination is so good, they've already imagined like the first 10, 15, 20 years of marriage. And then what happens is they get married and they wake up the next morning and this is not the picture I drew. So you have two choices. You could say, you are not the picture of what I envisioned, so therefore I am, I am I'm, I'm done, right? Or you could be smart and you could rip up the picture and if you rip up the picture and say, okay, now we'll start from scratch, and I know what my purpose is, I know what my goal is, I know we like each other, I know we can get along, you are somebody that I want to build a relationship with, okay, then you can have a very happy, beautiful marriage. Now, those that build the beautiful relationships, yeah, then as life goes on, there's a real relationship, and there's a real caring, and there's, you know, sometimes you see people, and they're older, and they're and they have to take care of their spouses. And, and you could imagine, oh, look what they got into. They're the happiest people. They're so happy they can take care of their spouse. It's, and they, they can't separate from the person because they built the relationship. They care for that person. right? But if it's all just about me and it's all that I should have a blissful life, then you're right. As soon as it's not blissful, you want out. Okay, so you missed it. Okay. So, interesting. So, what happens? So, Eliezer gets to the well. Now, there are some side problems. We'll see how many we can actually talk about. But Eliezer says to God, when he gets to the well, where the girls of the city would come out, they'd fill up their, their pitches of water and bring home the water. So, Eliezer gets there, and he says, God, even though Abraham had told him, I want a girl for my family, but Eliezer decided that he knew that Isaac must have a very kind girl. Kindness has to be part of, or who she is, really, not just part of, but must be who this girl is. So he said, I'm going to test her. Not that anybody gave Eliezer permission to make tests, but Eliezer decided he is going to make a test, and God was kind to Eliezer and Abraham, that even though Eliezer didn't have permission to make the test, but God's going to play along. So he makes a test. What's the test? The test is the girl who offers me a drink of water and then offers my camels to drink. She, it's, it's a sign that she is kind, that she has kindness in her. Now, actually, I, I saw recently, there's a beautiful Kliyokar, which I will say over this Shabbos uh, 
if I feel like it. Now, it's, it's all my kids. I don't like get up and make speeches. Some families, when they have these get-togethers, there's like official speeches and speeches. When my kids get together and we get together, uh, we we might somebody might say something, but it's 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 family. We're we're hanging out. We're we're not saying speeches, but I do want to say this. It won't be in speech form. It'll be more sort of just like, you know, we'll we'll talk about it. But the Kliyakar says that Eliezer was looking for a girl who was called a toiv ayin, a good eye, which really means when she looks at things, she just sees good. She's not jealous. She's, it's not a hurtful look. She is happy for you, whatever you have. And the good look means, how can I help you? That's his idea of toiv ayin, I have a good eye. I want to give of mine to you. I want to help you. I want to do whatever I could to make you feel good. Not that I'm jealous. I wish I had your car. I wish I had your house. I wish I had your spouse. I wish I had your money. That's called an, an eye in raw, a bad eye. So as it says, if she has the ability to not only offer me to drink, but to offer my camels. Now, offering camels, camels, he had 10 camels with him. So that's a, that's a, that's a lot of work if you want to offer me camels, right? To offer to give my camels to drink. That is not just simple. But a, a good eye, someone who's giving, that's the kind of girl that Isaac needs. So the rabbis say, very interesting. There's a, there's a, the Talmud in Tainus says that if you want to check out a girl, right, you want to know if she's beautiful, so check out her eyes, the Talmud says. If she has beautiful eyes, you can be assured that the rest of her is also beautiful. That's what the Talmud says. So the rabbis ask, the commentaries ask, uh, hello. I could find you a lot of girls with pretty eyes, and they're ugly. That's number one. And number two, I could find you girls that, and as well, okay, let's pause. Try again. Number one, I could find you a girl that has pretty eyes, and she's ugly. Um, number two, it seems a little strange that the rabbis at a Talmud are looking to tell me how to find a pretty girl. It just doesn't seem to, to fit with how we understand Talmud and how the rabbis are telling us to live our lives and how to become better people, and, the, and they're trying to tell me how to find somebody pretty. just seems out of character. Not that the rabbis are against pretty. The Torah itself talks about pretty ladies. But, but to say this is how you find a pretty lady seems to be off. So, of course, the commentaries say it doesn't mean that she's pretty physically. Well, I see she's pretty physically, so take a picture. Look, see, go out with her, see what she looks like. See if you like what she looks like. Then you'll decide if she's pretty. Beautiful eyes means that she has this thing I just finished talking about. She has a good eye. She has an eye in taiv. She's looking to help others. She's looking for the good in others. She sees, or he, by the way, the good in others. So if she has this eye in taiv, if she is always looking for the good in others, then you can be sure... And you can be sure that all her other attributes, or the Hebrew word is midos, all her good midos, she's going to be full of them. Be full of being a good, caring, kind person, because it all starts with a good eye. Which, by the way, is fascinating. Because if you think about it, the second half of the Ten Commandments, the last of the Ten Commandments is don't be jealous. So obviously, don't be jealous fits right in with a good eye, right? If I have a good eye, that means I'm not jealous. But all of them, right? 
don't murder, right? Who am I murdering? So I'm murdering somebody. I I want something of his. He has something of mine. I don't like him. That all is because I I, I have a, a jealous eye. Adultery. Why adultery? I'm jealous. I'm jealous this guy has this pretty lady for a wife. I want her. Right? So I'm jealous. I don't have a good eye. I steal. Right? Why do I steal? I steal generally, right? Because I'm jealous and I want something that you have and I want it. That's generally, I'm not talking about somebody who might steal because he can't put food on his table. That's a different conversation for another day. But I'm talking about those thieves that, that just want something because one guy has it and he doesn't. So again, you see that, that whole second group of, uh, of the Ten Commandments is, uh, is people that are jealous. Yeah, and, and, is, uh, and even the other one about uh, bearing or, or, or bringing false witness, false testimony. You hire somebody to testify. Why are you hiring somebody to lie? Because uh, probably there's some money issue and you're jealous. So you see that whole, that whole second half is all about being jealous. So Eliezer is looking for a girl who has this attribute that she has a good eye. She has an eye in type. And that's very, very important. So, um, so again... So this is the Torah portion telling me looking for people um, to get married. And the Torah is telling you when you get married, this is what you should be looking for. That was if the Torah went ahead, it happens to be like 63 verses. The Torah is so careful. It doesn't even say an extra word. And a lot of times to learn rules and regulations, to, to, to learn law, we, we, we have to deal with nuances in the words. Why this word? Why this extra letter? Why is this juxtaposed here and this is over here and why these are connected? And all this to figure out laws, rules, and regulations. And all of a sudden, in this Torah portion, when we're talking about Eliezer, is looking for a wife for Isaac and he finds Rebecca, he finds Rivka, 63 verses, the story is repeated with multiple details. Multiple details because the Torah is teaching me what am I looking for? when I get married, right? So I'm, I, I wanna find a good person. If you can marry a good person, you are, you, you're there. Building the relationship, we're assuming you're both good people, you're both good children, you have the ability to grow with somebody, but first things first, it, obviously there has to be some connection. Yes, I understand people go out, they have to feel for each other, there has to be something that connects them, very good. But I already told you before, that you drew your picture, you feel you have a connection, but in your mind you decided how your life is going to run. You don't know how your life is going to be because we are people, we are humans, things happen, we do things, we're different, we have personalities, we have backgrounds. But if I know that you are a kind person, that you're a good person, you have a good eye, I'm going in the right direction. This is a person worth building a life with. And... It looks like the music is playing, and therefore, we gotta end. So I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet as always. Thank you, of course, to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you, of course, to our wonderful production team. We have David and Andy behind the table. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobs, and you've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.